Welcome to the World Harvest Church podcast channel. We hope you enjoyed this message. Hallelujah. Jesus, we glorify you. Jesus, we thank you for the great price you paid so that we could be one with the Father, so that we could be of his family, so that we could be the body of Christ. We honor that price you paid. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're grateful for that to begin with our salvation, so grateful, but all the blessings that you've made ours, the way you've blessed our lives, our families, our homes, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us a plan to live for, to honor you. It's our honor to call you Lord today. We love you with all of our hearts and will live for you all of our days in a way that honors you and glorifies you and furthers what you're doing in the earth. It matters to us. We thank you. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, choir. Y'all y'all did so good today. I could just like stand there and listen all day, right? What weren't, wasn't that... A blessing. They come. Yeah. They come very early. They practice and work all during the week. And uh, I appreciate them. They're a great, great blessing. We want to remind you, we, we as a church family, we have what we call book of the month. And that means we, we recommend for you a book that we're all reading together. And uh, in reading it together, we're all feeding out of the same eating pan, right? One's not feeding off of one direction, one feeding another direction, but it helps us to move together as a family. So we've got for the book, uh, the book of the month for February, Brother Hagen's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. How many of you know God will speak to you? We just need to learn to recognize how he speaks to us, how he leads us. And this book is... Top shelf for that. Any book of Brother Hagen's, get it. You need it. We all need it. Amen. Hallelujah. So that is out there. It, you, might have the, you might have that book at home. If you do, uh, pull it out of your bookcase. If you don't, they have it back in the bookstore that you can get hold of it. But if you already have it at home, just pull it out and read along with us in February for that. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles this morning. I won't keep you too terribly long. We're going to receive communion together at the end of the service before we uh, dismiss today. But uh, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to start reading in verse 30. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic translation. So if you don't have an Amplified Classic, you may just want to... Uh, you may just want to listen as I read because it, it certainly is worded a little bit differently than the King James translation. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30. Uh, and it says, And behold, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by. Ah, what's that mean? Uh, opportunity. Yeah. 
Opportunity is passing by. Whatever Jesus brings, this is what they could receive. But it says, and when they heard that Jesus, Jesus was passing by, they cried out. Notice this, they didn't sit silent and say, well, if he has something for me, he'll give it to me. That's not how the kingdom works. God is a perfect gentleman. Know that about him. He will not force anything upon anyone. He will not come into your home uninvited. He will not come into your, into your heart uninvited. He will not come into any arena of your life uninvited. Now the devil will, but God is a perfect gentleman and he leaves everything open to our invitation. Notice this, Jesus was passing by. It doesn't say that Jesus was going to seek out these two blind men. Jesus was just on his way. And these blind men heard that Jesus was coming their way. They did not sit silent. Why do some people not receive things that God wants them to have? Because they sit silent. They don't invite him. They don't say, I believe to receive that from you, Father. Now, God can only fulfill a need in our life as we believe him. Why? Because he will not intrude. Our believing is us inviting him. Now know that. Why must we believe? Because when we believe, that's our open invitation to him. Father, I, I believe you for answers for my finances. I believe you to help me with this. I believe you to supply what I can't supply on my own, but you can touch it and make it produce more than I could ever make it produce, right? God will not move uninvited because he will not intrude. Listen, if he were going to intrude, don't you think the first thing he would do is make everyone be born again and receive him so that they could all go to heaven? The most important thing you can ever receive in this life is salvation. And he will not even force anyone to do that. If he won't force them on that which is most important, it shows his character. Now see, Jesus provided salvation for everyone. All, everyone is created by God, right? But not everyone belongs to God. Who belongs to him? Those who invite him. This is what these blind men were doing. Jesus, how many of you know Jesus is the healer? Jesus is the provider. Jesus is the help for humanity. Jesus is the need meter. All of that, when Jesus walked by men, all of that was walking by men. What would they receive of him? Only what they invited of him. You can invite him to be savior and you'll be saved, but that's no sign you'll be provided for until you invite him as provider, as healer. Why? Because he can only move where the door is open to him. He will not kick the door in and say, I'm coming in and I'm taking over. That's the way the devil acts, not God. God moves at invitation. So Jesus was walking by. These blind men heard he's coming. What's that mean? Their miracle is coming. Yes. If they'll recognize that in Jesus was their miracle, yeah. that he's the miracle, the miracle worker, he's the need meter. Yeah. If they'll recognize it, they could not just sit silent and receive. Um, it says, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. 
Lord, have pity and mercy on us, son of David. Now, I, I want you to see something here is that wouldn't Jesus know they needed healing? When you see someone blind, usually it's kind of apparent. Just because God knows we need something is not us giving him permission to meet that need. That's why we have to have faith. That's the role of faith. Amen. So um, we've just received the tithes and offerings. And I'm, if I was sitting here by Miss Agrista and she pulls out her wallet and I see five $100 bills in there. Oh, glory. <laughs> I see five $100 bills in her wallet. Just because I know it's in there is not my permission to take it. Right? Just because God sees your need is not his permission to meet your need. He will not force. He has to come invited. Your faith is your, is your invitation to him. That's why faith is so important in the life of the believer because faith is what opens the door to God to move. Remember what it says in Revelations chapter, uh, I believe chapter two, it says Jesus, Jesus said, I stand, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear and open. Yes. See, where is it? The handle's not on the outside, it's on your side. Amen. God doesn't have the handle on your life. He created you. Can I, can I tell you what salvation, these words redemption, you know, they're not English. They're not something we use in our everyday English vernacular. The church world may, but just humanity at large, they hear the word redemption. What does that mean? Because people think because God made them that, that they belong to him. No, he must be chosen. He must be chosen. Why? Because he doesn't force anyone. He made us a free will moral agent. Let me tell you what redemption is. He redeemed you. Um, there was a, a, a man and his son who, put, who took time to make this large sailboat. They carved it. They sewed the sails. They did all of the things to put the components on it. They took it out one day on the water to sail it. They sailed it, but it got carried away by a wave. They tried to get it back. They could not get it back. It was lost. Months later, the father and the son were walking in town, and in the store window, like a pawn shop, they saw that sailboat sitting in the window. They went in and they bought it because they knew it was theirs. Mm -hmm. The little boy came out and he's holding that and he said, boat, you're twice mine. I made you, now I bought you. That's what redemption is. God made us, but Jesus bought us. But we have to say yes to being bought. Amen. Just because he made you doesn't mean you're his. He has to be invited. Aren't you thankful? That's kindness. It's meanness that forces things. That's the way the devil operates. The word tells us Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that steals, kills, and destroys. This is John 10, 10. 
Anything that steals, kills, and destroys, God had nothing to do with. What does, doesn't that depict steal, kill, and destroy? Doesn't that depict force? Steal something? Why? By force? Kill? By force? Uh, that's how the devil operates, by force. God works by your permission. He's so kind. Isn't, that's kindness to say, I don't want you to have something you don't want. If you don't want to go to heaven and live with him, he won't force you. If you don't want to be provided for by him, he won't force you. If you don't want to be healed, he won't force you. But if you want, he's all available. <laughs> Amen. So these, Jesus is walking by and, and these men, they realize he's walking by. You know, in every service, God's walking by. What do I mean by that? Something's available in that room. Why? Because God's here. The anointing of God is here. The power of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. He's not just here so we can say, oh, I was in church. He makes himself available so we'll reach out and take what's in this room. What is in this room? The power of God. What's in you? If you're born again, the Holy Ghost is in there. The Word of God has been sown in your heart. It's in you. Don't just leave it there unaccessed. Add your faith to it and draw out of the wealth of the riches that are in Christ and receive your needs met. This is what these blind men did. They weren't willing to just let Jesus walk by and them say, there went my answer. Remember what old Robert said? Every day, miracles are coming to you or going past you. What determines whether or not God's power stops with you? What you say, what you believe. Father, I need a miracle today. I receive a miracle for my finances. I receive a miracle for my family. I receive that miracle for my body. Whatever he needs you to give him permission to do what he longs to do. Amen. I haven't gotten very far in reading this verse. Quit stomping me, Dean. And behold, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. This is what faith does. It calls out. People say, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. He's already provided it because he wants you to have it, but he will not force it on you. You have to call out and it's faith that calls it out. That is faith. You say, well, I wish I had faith. You say, Father, I want that. That's faith. Don't complicate it. It's so easy. It's so simple. Father, I receive that. I, I want that for my life and I believe you provided it, so I take it. That's faith. So they heard that Jesus was passing by. They cried out, Lord, have pity and mercy on us, you son of David. The crowds reproved them and told them to keep still. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have pity and mercy on us, you son of David. And notice this, verse 32, and Jesus stopped. Ah, there you go, baby. Jesus stopped. He's not passing me by. He's not passing my need by. He stopped. But notice when they called out, others that were in the crowd told them, be quiet. Stop. You're too loud. Don't let people who aren't calling tell you to quit calling. Don't let people who aren't interested in receiving what God has for them tell you that you shouldn't be interested. Amen. Just because you're not going to get it doesn't mean I'm not going to get it. <laughs> if you don't want it, I want it. Now, you know how to do that at Christmas. 
right? We just had Christmas. The dinner table had your favorite pie, your favorite cake. If you don't want that piece, I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> right? No, just because they say no to that dessert doesn't mean you have to say no. Just because others say no to Jesus doesn't mean you have to say no to Jesus. Just because others say no to miracles doesn't mean you have to say no to miracles. Can I tell you this? Ignorance will always end up with the no answer. But this is why you come to church to hear the right answer to give. Because religion will teach you, well, God will do If God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. There's no scripture for that. God did want you to have it. That's why Jesus came and paid the price for you to have not only salvation, but in that salvation is healing and prosperity and peace and joy. That you not be tormented by fear and depression then why are so many people troubled? Because they've not opened the door and said, I'm taking that for myself. And many times, if you don't know it's available, you don't know to do that. That's why you have to come to church and be taught, right? Congratulations. You showed up at school today. Amen. Hallelujah. So look at verse 32. I love this. And Jesus stopped. I like that. And he called them. And he asked, I love this, the way the Amplified says it, what do you want me to do for you? <sighs> what do you want me to do for you? He didn't, listen, he had them, he called them to him. These are blind men. Don't you think that coming through that crowd it would have been obvious that they were blind. They're pushing their way or making their way or bumping into people. It's obvious that someone's blind, but Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? They didn't say, well, it's obvious that we need healing for our eyes. And they didn't answer that way. Why did Jesus ask them what should have been an obvious answer? Because just because he knew what they needed did not mean that that's what they were asking him for. We were in a healing line once, and I just, it was all I could do to not laugh. My husband was ministering to people who came up who wanted to be ministered to for healing. And a man comes up, and he's on, he's got his leg in this vice, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a contraption. And then he's on crutches. And so Ed comes up to him and says, what is it you want God to do for you? Now, people in the congregation will look on and say, well, isn't it obvious? Why are you asking him such a silly question? Because you still don't know what's in their request. This was his request. My shoulders are hurting from using the crutches. Well, I don't make light of that. But Ed said, anything wrong with your leg? <laughs> He was missing the obvious. If you get the leg healed, you don't need the crutches and you don't need healing from the shoulders. The big, the root of the problem here is the leg. You're just wanting help for the symptoms. But let's, if we'll deal with the root of the problem, you see, just because it was obvious to us doesn't mean that that's what people are asking for. How many times have we 
we love our family members, yeah. but sometimes it's not, it's obvious to us yeah. some yeah. things and we go, why aren't they getting it? Yeah. You know, why don't they get it? How come they keep making that same choice over and over and they're bumping into walls every time they make that choice? It's so obvious, but it's not obvious to That's everyone right. and God will not force people yes. into his best. Mm. He offers it, but his best has to be chosen. It will not be forced. Every day of your life, choose his best. And you can't just choose it once. Every day, choose it. Choose it. I choose God's best. I choose peace today. Why? Why do we have to choose it every day? Because we have an enemy who opposes us every day. And when the enemy opposes us, we go, I'm not allowing or permitting that opposition to rob me of the best today. Peace is the best today. Health is the best today. Joy is the best today. Healing, provision, it's the best today. And I choose it every day in the face of opposition. It's not you've got to talk God into it. You've got to keep the devil from, from stealing it from you. Remember what I said, John 10, 10, Jesus said, this is what Jesus, he exposed Satan as he is. He said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. Anything that steals, kills, and destroys, the enemy did it. Anything that's life-giving, God did it. And the, the sad thing is the world, call, the world accuses God of all the, the tragedies. Why did God let this happen? God didn't. People let it happen because they let the devil steal from them. Your job is to say no to the devil and yes to God. There you go. No to the devil, yes to God. Well, how do I know if it's the devil? If it steals... If it kills, if it destroys anything, say no. If it's good, if it's peaceful, if it's joyful, say yes. There you go. But you still have something to say about it. Amen. Uh, so I, this question that Jesus asked is so endearing to me. What do you want me to do for you? I don't walk up and say to just everybody, what do you want me to do for you? When I know I can't provide what they may need. Jesus would not falsely ask them, what, can I, what do you want me to do for you? If he couldn't have provided anything they asked of him. Amen. I'll help you if I can. But Jesus doesn't have that that contingency on it, if I can, because he can. <laughs> so he says, what do you want me to do for you? This makes the religious mind go on tilt because they think God's responsible for everything. No, he only wants what you want for you. He's provided everything. He's provided salvation, healing, prosperity, peace, joy, freedom from fear, freedom from torment, freedom from worry, freedom from doubt. He's provided it all, but he will not force it all. You have to choose it all. So Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Notice this. This question shows his great longing to do for anyone who asks him. It shows his longing. He wants to do for you. Don't feel like, oh, I shouldn't ask him. No, you should. That's, right. That's his great joy yes. is to serve you. Yes. You go, really? To serve me? Yeah, you belong to him. Yes. We're of the same family. It's our joy to serve one another, isn't it? But how much more his joy to serve his own. Yes. Amen. Amen. Then we see this in this great question. 
He says, what do you, what do you want me to do for you? He lets them determine how far he can go in their life. He lets them determine the direction his help is for them. He lets them determine the direction of his power. See, it's by his power that he helps our lives, right? Isn't it, isn't it God's power? He lets us direct his power. You go, uh, 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 no, no, that's what Jesus said. What do you want me? Could we say this? What do you want my power to do for you? What do you want my ability to do for you? What do you want my provision to do for you? What do you want my healing power to do for you? What do you want my peace to do for you? What do you want my joy to do for you? Because when you say, when he says, what do you want me? You're saying all those things that he is. What do you want all that he is to do for you? Amen. You say, well, he knows what I need. Yes, but there again, you have to ask him. You have to invite him because he will not force his way. He's a perfect gentleman. Why? Because there's nothing, nothing dishonorable in him. To not be a perfect gentleman is to be dishonorable. And there's nothing dishonorable in him. Amen. So when he says to these two blind men, what do you want me to do for you? He's placing no limits on his doing for them. If they would have said, we want our eyes healed, plus we need provision for our family, plus he would have done it all. They only asked for one thing. So he only did one thing. I don't want to ask short of what he makes available. You say, well, Pastor Nancy, you don't understand. I've messed up so much in life. So? I don't make light that you've messed up. I make much of his blood that is able to cleanse you from what you messed up in. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, where you missed it, where you did wrong, where you did bad, if we confess our sin, say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I, I, I messed up there. If we confess our sin, notice he's faithful. And just to forgive. Ah, not hold it over you. Not say, no, you have to accept a measure of defeat because you did that. No, if we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Look at this. And cleanse us. With what? His blood. The blood doesn't cover it up. It removes it, annihilates it, makes it as though it's never there. And it will, God will never bring it up to you again because his blood is, is victorious to cleanse anything. Now, other people might bring it up to you, but God won't. And we shouldn't be bringing it up to others what they've done wrong if we don't want God to bring it up to us. Why? We want to be like God. We don't bring up things that, that we're forgiven of. He doesn't bring up things he's forgiven us of. The problem is, is that we remember. We have to practice knowing this. Nope. When the remembrance come back, nope, nope. He's forgiven me. No, he's forgiven me. I will not remember that. I will not. I will not. Devil, you're not going to rob from me because Jesus cleansed me. It's as though I never missed it. We don't make light of sin, 
but we know this, we make much of the blood that cleanses that sin. His cleansing blood is not permission to go out and do it wrong. But if we do do it wrong, we don't purposefully go out. No one that, no one that belongs to him purposefully goes out and says, I'm just going to live my life wrong and just tear up everything I can. No, that's not, that's not the heart of someone who has Christ in them. But if we do miss it, we can come to the Father and say, and acknowledge it. He won't be mad at you. Why does he cleanse you? To get the door closed to the devil so the devil can't attack you. Amen. So Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? So he places no limits on his doing in our life. It's up to us what we'll believe. What we will believe. Amen. This man's need was healing. These men, they needed healing, but anything they would have requested, he could have provided, and that's what he was offering them. I think they stopped a little short. Amen. But they were so aware of their need for healing. Were they healed? Absolutely they were healed. That moment they were healed. Why? Because they gave him permission. Their faith gave him permission. Um, Then we know this. Matthew chapter 20, go with me. Matthew chapter 20, and this is the, the um, yeah, this is the Amplified Classic translation. Matthew chapter 20. And this is just a couple of verses before this, before this event with these blind men. Jesus made this statement, Matthew 20 verse 28. Just as the Son of Man came not to be waited on, look at this, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many, the price paid to set them free. To set them free. The price has been paid. See, this is talking about what he would do. He's already done that. He has paid the price to set them free. That's him serving us, right? The word serve, the definition for the word serve is this, to provide with a regular and continuous supply of something. Listen to that. The word serve means to provide with a regular and continuous supply of something. So we could read this verse this way, just as a son of man came not to be waited on, but to provide a regular and continuous supply of something. Amen. Amen. Don't let any day go without receiving his supply that for that day. Every day release your faith for the supply that he continuously gives to faith. Amen. Now, as we said, Jesus revealed that anything bad that happens, God didn't have anything to do with it. Satan is the one that steals. He steals peace. He steals health. He steals finances. He destroys, he comes into homes and if he can influence people enough, they'll, they'll even work with him to divide their own home tear up lives around them. God doesn't want that for us, right? But that's Satan who does that. God had nothing to do with that. People will say, well, why did God let that happen? Because God permits what we permit. Why? Remember what I said. He only works by perfect. He's he's a perfect gentleman. He only works by permission. But if we say, Father, I need help in my home. I need help in my marriage. He'll help you. 
but we have to cooperate with him. Yes. He won't force it and he can't do our part for us. Right. He will not come in and do our thinking yes. for us. He right. will not right. come in and make our choice for us. Right. He just shows us what the right choice yes. is in his word. Yes. Remember yes. what it says in Deuteronomy? God said, behold, I set before you life and death. God's not the author of death, but he exposes it. This is life. This is death. He said, I set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. And then he tells you what to do. Choose life. We have to choose. We have to choose God's best. This is what he was offering these blind men. Make a choice. I'll do whatever you choose. God goes where faith puts him. God will do what faith will open the door. You open the door for him to bless your marriage, he'll bless your marriage. You open the door by asking him to heal your body, he'll heal your body. You ask him to, to bless your finances, he'll bless your finances. But you're the one that opens the door. The doorknob's not on his side, it's on your side. Amen. Now the devil try to kick in doors, won't he? <laughs> James 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7. It says this, submit yourselves therefore to God. How do you submit to God? Well, agree with him. Right? If a child is not submitting to their parents, what are they doing? They're kicking against the parent. They want to come into agreement with the parent. They don't submit. Come into agreement with what God has provided. Submit to God. To submit to God is submit to his word. Everything that his word shows you that he's provided for you, submit to that. Well, I just don't think God's interested in my finances. Well, uh, he's interested in mine, so I'm getting my bills paid. I'm just saying. You say, well, that's beneath him. I want you to know as a parent, as your heavenly father, he's interested in every aspect of your life. He is not just interested in the spiritual. As a parent, aren't you interested that your children do well? Aren't you interested that they have the clothes they need, that they have the, the food they need, that they have the things they enjoy, that they have the, the right people in their life? Aren't you interested? So you think you're better than God? No. It, how, much, how much more is he interested? He's interested in every aspect of your life. Don't let the devil steal from you by saying God's not interested in that. The devil will try to, to paint that picture of God because he wants you to not receive from God. But James 4 verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Look at this. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Resist him. And he will flee from you. You say no to him and he cannot stay. Come on. That's the truth. Amen. The thing is, many times people have a way of laying down to him instead of resisting him. Um, how do you resist him? You talk to him. You talk to him. You say, you're not doing that in my life. You used to do that in my life. You're not doing that anymore. How do I know whether I need to resist the devil if it steals? If it kills, if it destroys, if it robs you of health, if it robs you of peace, if it robs you of joy, if it robs you of provision, say, you're not doing that in my life. Don't you do that as a parent? I hope you have done or are doing this with your children. They try to get out of line. You're not doing that in this household. Isn't that right? Why things, things in your household are governed by your words, right? 
You say, no, you're not doing that. You know how you work your job? By words, right? How does God run his family? By words. How does the devil, how does he get resisted? By words. You say, you're not doing that in my life anymore. You're done tormenting my mind. You're done working in my marriage that way. You're done uh, affecting my children that way. You're not going to do that in this family. That's right. Every day, the Christian life is a life of resisting the devil and opening the door to God. Resisting the devil, opening the door to God. Now, don't be mindful of the devil. He's not worthy. But recognize when he's trying to gain entrance. Your attention should not be on the enemy who opposes. Your attention should be on the God who has already blessed and provides for you. That's why the word tells us his praise shall continually be in our mouth. Why? Because we're not, we're not living this life aware of problems. God offers us a higher life. If something shows up, we say, no, you don't to the enemy. But therefore our attention goes back to God. We're not holding our attention on what the devil's doing. We're holding our attention on what God's provided. When something tries to get out of place, we just like, you know, as a parent, you can be out shopping, having a good time with your kids, a family. And all of a sudden you go, get back over here. Right. And then you go back to enjoying the family. (laughs) Right. It's the same thing with God. Enjoy him all day long. And something gets out of place. No, you don't. The devil's not worthy of your daily attention. Amen. He's worthy of one thing, being resisted. And the Bible says you resist him. You say, in the name of Jesus, not in my name, in the name of Jesus, you're not doing that in my body. I mean, you can get up every day and if there's pains that when you go get out of bed, say, in the name of Jesus, that stiffness leaves in Jesus' name. I'm not taking that today. And you get up and you violate that. And you violate that. That's part of resisting. You don't lay down to it. You violate it. But you have to talk to it. You have to let the devil know what you're working others. You're not working in my life. Why? Because I know something. And I know that I have authority over you to tell you no. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. People are waiting for, the, for God to run the devil out. And he's saying, I give you authority. I give you authority. You tell him to leave. He'll leave. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? You're a child of God. What works for him works for you. Just as he could resist, you resist. Amen. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And he will flee. And he will flee. Now see, can I tell you this? If you've been letting your kids get away with stuff in your house, you you, you know, you just let them day after day. They learn that they can get away with that. The first time you you catch yourself, you go, wait a minute. I've been letting them get away with something. I'm going to stop that. They might not stop immediately the first time. Why? Because they have learned that they could get away with that in the past and they're going to keep testing you to see if you really mean it. The devil's the same way. I'm not saying your kids are the devil. I'm just saying. The devil is the same way. When he's gotten by with something in our life and then we stand up to him and say no more, he will push back to see if you mean it. How do you show him you mean it every day? You say, you're not doing that in my life. You're not doing that in my life. You're not doing that. And he will learn that you have closed the door to him. 
You say, how long, do I, how long does it take? Not long once you're consistent. Yes. Yes. Consistency matters. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to get to what I came to preach. <laughs> Not, it, it, it won't be long. It won't be long. I won't keep you much longer. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. And you say, why are you preaching this way? Because that healing anointing started moving yesterday when God said, I want to minister to the sick today. So I want to, uh, I want to minister these verses to you so that you will know to come up and say yes. Right? Amen. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely, Jesus has borne our griefs. The Amplified says, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. Jesus bore them. Yes. When did he bear them? Remember when the stripes were laid on his back before he was crucified. That was the place and the time when the penalty for sickness and disease was laid on him. The price was paid then. Amen. Just when he bore your sin, he bore your sickness. Yes. He bore your disease. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace or the penalty that purchased our peace was laid on him. And with his stripes, we were healed. What stripes? When they whipped him at the whipping post, God was laying on him the penalty of sickness and disease. He was paying the price of sickness and disease. You say, I can't understand that. It boggles the human mind, but it's believed by faith. We believe what we can't always understand of these things because we weren't there to see it. But in God's realm, he laid, he laid sin on, on Jesus. He laid sickness and disease on him. Why? So we would be free from it. Now notice the wording here. He bore our griefs. He bore, he was, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What is this? None of this belonged to him. He stepped in and took it. He did nothing for himself when he was on the earth. He did everything for man. His whole life was to be a serve, to serve man. That's his whole life. And because now when you're born again, his nature comes in you. Now you want to serve others, right? Not because you can take his place, but because like him. You want to serve others. My husband, <clears throat> he was raised a Catholic. And he, and of his own admission, he was a bad Catholic. He didn't show up at church very much. I don't, or, I don't know what they call it. We call it church, but he wasn't there very often. Um, but his life, when he was in his 20s, his life was going the wrong way. His mind was being broken down. He was tormented in his mind. He was on his road to being an alcoholic. His parents had been alcoholic. His mother had been in, men, in and out of mental institutions. And he recognized my life is going the same way. 
So he goes to his priest and he tells him, my life is going, the, it's going the wrong direction. I need help. And he said, well, you just need to get involved with the church. And it said, okay, what do I need to do? He said, well, we're having a, a men's bake sale this Saturday. And we don't have anyone to man the Budweiser booth. And Ed said, do you not understand? That's what I'm telling you. That's my problem. I've been manning the Budweiser booth. <laughs> and he realized they're talking about something natural out here. He's, I need help for my mind. I need help for my life. I got to have a purpose, a reason I'm on this earth. I don't know what that is. Why do I get up in the morning? You know? And you don't fault the priest. He just didn't know. He just didn't know. But thank God you're not in a church today that doesn't know. We're learning the word. The word shows us. So Ed went to the only place he knew to go to after that. He went to the bar to man the Budweiser booth. <laughs> he went to his, the bar down the road and he was sitting there and the, the, the priest had handed him, he said, you need to go through catechism again. And he handed him catechism tracks. I don't know what that is. I was Methodist, you know, before I, anyway. So I just don't know what all those, those things, uh, you know, contain. But that's what he walked out of the priest's office with. He goes to the bar and he's sitting there and he's lamenting. He goes to the only place he knows to go off that, to find help and he, there's no help there. He doesn't know what to do. And he's sitting at the bar and he said, God, I don't know what to do with my life. And he heard an audible voice that said, you're going to go all over the world and preach the gospel. Well, to someone who doesn't know anything about God, what's the gospel? What's preaching the gospel all over the world? He did not know what that meant. But he said that. God said that to him. And Ed thought that meant, I'm going to be a priest. So he told Joe the bartender, said, everybody up with a beer. I'm going to be a priest. And he walked around handing out catechism tracts to everyone in the bar. He just handed out what he had. But it was only a couple of days later. And the co-worker who had been inviting him to church for a year and a half, Ed had been saying no every week. But this time Ed said, yes, I'll go with you to church on Sunday. And he heard how to be born again. He heard how to receive Jesus. He heard how to say yes to God. And he asked Jesus to come into his heart. And when he did that, the weight of burden, the burden of sin was gone. The torment was gone. The harassment was gone. The addiction was gone. And he went back to church that night. And he said, Pastor, I've been serving the devil for 25 years. Now I'm born again. I want to serve God. What can I do? And he said, I don't have anyone to clean the toilets in the church. And Ed said, that's my job. And he started just by serving. Serving in the church. But see, it wasn't just outward serving. It was serving from the inside. God, I'm serving you. I'm putting my hand to anything that, that blesses God's people. Anything that blesses God's people, I want to serve. So he, he, he does that. Then he does, he's so faithful at that, that the pastor promotes him to door greeter. You know, go out and greet people as they come in. He promotes him that. He was so faithful at that, he promoted him to, a deacon, to be a deacon in the church. One day he's standing and he's 
watching as they're, going, they're getting ready to receive communion as a church family. And the deacons are the ones that would hold the, you know, the juice and the, the bread and stuff. And Ed said, while he's standing there, a, a young Christian, he said, God, I don't even understand what communion is all about. I don't even know what this means. And when he said that, it seemed to him as though the ceiling and the roof of that church building lifted off and he had a vision and he saw Jesus hanging on the cross. He said, it looked just like in the Catholic church. But he said, but all of a sudden, he said, I saw words flying through the air and they would strike him and his body would jolt. And another word would come and strike him and his body would jolt. And he could read the words, cancer, arthritis, tuberculosis. What was he seeing? He was seeing the sickness and disease of mankind being laid on Jesus. He saw Jesus paying the price. Yes. He said at first the words came slow, so slow he could read the words. But he said then they came so fast he couldn't even read them. And he said words I recognize and words I didn't recognize. No matter what the medical field comes up with and says this, is, this sickness is labeled this, the price has already been paid. Even though it might have been a new condition to mankind, it's already been paid. He was seeing what Isaiah told us. Now, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll, we'll, we'll close with this. I want to read an excerpt out of Dad Hagen's book called I Believe in Visions. Dad Hagen, he was our spiritual father. What's that mean? That means that he was basically the one God used to teach and train us. But when he was a younger man, his wife, Mom Hagen, had a goiter. I don't know if you've ever seen, but years ago you would see people, I mean with large, it looked like almost a cantaloupe size here. I don't know if it's the thyroid swollen or what. But uh, people would have, it was, it was kind of common to see these goiters. And she had one, but they said they'd be larger inside sometimes than outside. So they'd choke. They could not get enough air and swallow properly. And so Mom Hagen had one of these goiters. Dad Hagen was believing, had prayed for her healing and was believing mm -hmm. for God to intervene and deal with this. So Dad Hagen tells of this time and he said, I sensed that the doctors wanted to operate on her, but he said, I sensed if she was operated on, she would die. I just had this knowing in my heart that God was warning, if she's operated on, she will die. Is God against operations? No, he's just saying that, that her condition would end up in that. So Dad Hagen had spent much time praying to God about his wife's condition. So I want to read to you just a portion out of Dad Hagen's book. He said, one night at the close of a meeting, he was preaching at a church. And he said, a spirit of prayer fell on the congregation and we all gathered around the altar to pray. We prayed for quite some time. After a while, I got off my knees and I sat on the steps that led up to the platform. I was sitting there with my eyes wide open, singing and, and worshiping God when suddenly I saw Jesus standing about three feet in front of me. He said, I have come to answer your prayer. Tell your wife to be operated on. She will live and not die. Although I didn't mention it to my wife, I felt all along that she would. If she were operated on, she would die. She later told me she had known that for several years too. But the Lord said to me, she will live and not die. According to the, the direction she was going, without divine intervention, she would have died. But I have heard your prayers and I have come to answer them.
Now listen to this. He said, she shall live. Brother Hagin recorded this. Then Jesus said something that absolutely melted me. And I've never been able to forget it. He said, I did this, son, just because you asked me to. You don't know how I long to do for my children if they would only ask me and believe me. Many times they think they're asking, but they're begging. They're crying and they're praying in doubt and unbelief, but they're not really believing me. And I cannot answer their prayers unless they have faith because I cannot violate my word. But how often I long to help them if they would only let me by believing what I say to them, taking me at my word, bringing me their problems and trusting me to undertake for them. See, when we worry, we're telling God we're not sure you're doing it. If we're in fear, we're not certain that he's helping us. Worry and fear is a sign that we're invited to more faith. Come up. Don't, don't. The enemy brings fear. The enemy brings worry. Talk to it. Resist it. Any worried thoughts say, I refuse to worry. How do you know if you're worrying? If you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about it, that's worry. How do you know if you're fearful? Talk to it. Tell it, say fear. Fear is not simply an emotion. It's a spirit you have authority over. Paul told Timothy, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. What's that mean? Resist it because it didn't come from God. God's not using fear to teach you something. God's not using fear to train you in something. God's not using fear to penalize you for something. Resist it. Talk to it. Does fear try to come to me? Yes, and I talk to it, and I say, you leave. Amen. Does doubt try to come? Sure, I say, doubt, I refuse to doubt. Amen. I will not doubt. I believe God. Right. What he said to me is true, and yes. he performs that in my life. Listen, it's not faith to say God can do it. That's not faith. What faith is, is God does it for me. God's doing it for me now. That's faith. Faith is taking possession of what God said. Faith is not saying God can because there are people who don't even, they have no honor for God. They, they don't love God. They don't belong to God because they've not chosen him, but they still believe he can do things. Yeah. It's not faith to believe he can. It's faith that says he does it for me now because I receive it. Yes. Now, once I receive it with my heart, sometimes it may take a little bit of time before it shows up in the natural. But once I believe it and receive it in my heart, that's it. It's settled. And the the natural will change. The circumstances will change if I'll just stay with what I believe about what he told me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen to what Jesus said. You don't know how I long to do for my children. You say, well, I I long to have answers. I long to have healing or I long to have provision. He longs for your help more than you do. Yes, he does. So if we're not receiving what we're longing for and what he longs for, then we need to address what are we believing? Amen. Yes. Amen. Good. Amen. 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 Know this, healing is not a reward for good behavior. Because the devil will always tell you, you can't receive healing because you haven't done this or you haven't. Healing's not a reward. It's something Jesus already purchased. 
and it's only waiting on faith. It's not waiting for good behavior. It's waiting for faith. That's not a license for bad behavior. I'm not saying you can go live any way you want and expect that God's going to take care of you. Because when, you, when we act and live against the word, we open the door to the enemy. But just know this, because you can't earn healing, you can't be bad enough to not be healed. Come on. That's a good teaching. Amen. Amen. Are you helped today? Yes. Why did I say all that? Because I'm going to minister to those who need healing today. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. We're so grateful for what you, what you show. Put that in my purse, baby. Hallelujah. How many of you say thank God for the word? Thank God for the word. Listen, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? If you ask him to do it and it's in line with his word, will he do it? Yes. Then is there any room for doubt? No. Is there any room for fear? No. Is there any room for worry? No. Why? Because he's working on it. Once I open the door to him, he comes in and he's working on it. Amen. Just raise up your hands. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about World Harvest Church, please visit our website at defrainministries.org.